Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. Listen to this. This is the tape I found downstairs. It has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins, a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. From the gnarled woods of Michigan to the sun-kissed skyline of L.A., we are Halloweenies! You said, I hope you understand when you read this letter that you're better off without me. Cause around me is stormy weather. Stormy weather. It always surrounds me. What can be said in New Year rhymes that's not been said a thousand times? The new years come, the old years go. We know we dream, we dream, we know. We rise up laughing with the light, we lie down weeping with the night. We hug the world until it stings, we curse it then and sigh for wings. We live, we love, we woo, we wed. We wreathe our bodies, brides, we cheat our dead. We laugh, we weep, we hope, we fear, and that's the burden of the year. The poem. The Year by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. Greetings and welcome yet again to the big season finale, really the end of the year finale for the Halloweenies, a horror franchise podcast. Most of the time, because on this episode, we'll be chatting about our overall top 10 horror movies of 2022, as well as inevitably some personal faves that did not make the final cut. Shout out Urban Legends, including a decent number of non-franchise entries. So we've got a lot to get through, and because we'll never be get sidetracked, no point starting now. So let's go around. Stop being a rude host. Yeah. Let's go around and introduce ourselves and mention one horror movie that you out and out hated from this year, if you dare. And again, I'm a fake shimp, Justin Gerber. My least favorite horror movie of the year is shared by another person who's going to be on this episode, and I will let that person uh, take it away right now. Uh, this person, good friend of ours, has been on the podcast this entire time, hailing from the uh, Northeast United States of America. And who is that person? This is Dan Ella Wheeler Wilcox Caffrey. Uh, beautiful poem. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a name, and I'm like, I'm just going to take that. Um, I had not heard that poem before, but I like it quite a bit. And mm. should I just go right into my favorite horror movie thing. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about this. Yeah, so it, it's The Monsters by Rob Zombie, which I know technically it's not a scary horror movie, but I think it's at least horror adjacent to say the least. And look, I know what you're saying. You're going to say, oh, Halloween's ragging on zombie again like they always do. I am a defender of zombie. I love Lords of Salem. I love The Devil's Rejects. I appreciate House of Thousand Corpses. I'm even a defender of Halloween too, as you heard on our Halloween rankings episode. So I really wanted to like this movie. I was not going in wanting to hate it. I love the original Monster series, but 
it's funny because I remember when it was announced that he was going to do it, the joke was like, oh, he's going to just have him saying fuckity fuck the whole time. And he doesn't do that, but that's not why the movie is... It's not like he injected the movie with some kind of content that wouldn't be on the show. The big issue for me was I don't think he just he got the fundamental core of what the show is and that's the comedic timing it's the the joke 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 instead it's almost like he put the camera right in front of them and just let them improvise for you know two minutes which doesn't really work on and my unless you're really really highly subverting it like the brady bunch movie but even the brady bunch movie i would argue subverts the source material but also like has the tone of it down the the funny thing is everyone else is not like that but i feel like it doesn't even get the basics of the show right and then I want to add, I want to add to your point because I think I know where you're going. The because I didn't mind it. I think I ended up giving it three stars out of four. Mm-hmm. It's visually impressive and all that. But the biggest problem with the the movie is that the joke of the show is putting the monsters around regular human characters. Yes, and they don't do that until the last half hour, twenty minutes, maybe fifteen, twenty movie. minutes, and yeah. they're spending all their time in this Transylvania. That's this kind of cool world. That's you know populated with monsters, but that's not where the humor of the show comes from. Exactly, and it's and I, and I do agree. I think it has visual panache. It has that kind of zombie, you know, green fluorescent B movie quality to it. But then again, we we kind of know he can do that, right? Like I expect that of any Rob Zombie movie. I was actually excited to go. Okay, well, let's see what he does with some PG material. And yeah, it just did not land for me. And I watched it right after watching a bunch of old Monsters episodes too. So I and once again, I'm trying. I'm not trying to be like. He's like, fuck Rock Zombie, blah, blah, blah. Because I, I really do like, hell, man, I even like his Bigfoot comic. You don't need to defend yourself. I, I'm just saying. You didn't I, like I, monsters. We yeah. got it. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Hey, it's okay. hey, apparently, according to, according to Twitter, we're not allowed to have worse. No, no worse stuff. Right. Right. No, no worse stuff. I honestly, I don't want to add to the here. discourse about whether or not oh, yeah, yeah, Rob Zombie's and monsters is good. But here's the bottom line we really think about this. Yeah. I know it's like, it's, it's tough to rag on the artists for doing stuff. But most of the time, people are paying money to watch these products. <laughs> so if it's bad, it's it's in our right, and honestly, it's our duty to tell people, don't waste your $4 on this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, too, I, I don't feel, I, Or don't waste your valuable time on this planet. I, spending two hours on this movie, you know? I keep seeing, th- people keep saying, to, and I, I will not go on a bunch of discourse, I'll pass the mic in just a second, uh, Beastie Boy style. People keep, I keep, I keep, see, this, I keep seeing filmmakers saying this. And look, I'm someone, who, I'm not a filmmaker, but I'm a playwright. I've directed yeah. stuff. Like, I, I have, spent most of my life making art in some capacity i'm not famous by any means i don't get paid a lot for it but i do do it right like i know what goes into all that and people keep saying making movies is hard Ugh. like that's why we can't do that and i'm like Fuck you, man. my hard. job's hard too though like yeah. everyone's job is hard what like yeah. we're not we're not a lot of opinions about anything and also not for nothing most of these movies that were that are going on worse of lists and look i'm not saying some of the lists maybe weren't a little mean in their tone or whatever but most of the movies going on there, these are people who live amazing lives and get paid exactly. lots of Nobody's money. Nobody's punching down here. We're not, yeah, we're not like it, man. taking yeah. out people making fan films and, and calling them out on, on social yeah. media. And we're talking about people who are going to have more money than any of us will ever have in our lives. They're going to be me, just fine. They're going to be just fine. One thing to that, and that's a big problem with, I think, the critical world that populates Twitter in that – they honestly start to believe that these filmmakers, like the big filmmakers, the ones we're mm-hmm. talking yeah, about, oh, yeah. are their friends. Yep. And they don't want to insult their friends. And that's embarrassing if you want to call yourself a critic. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. So anyway, that's uh, that's my pick. There are. So, I, I will say, I thought it was a very good year for horror. Even when you asked this question oh, about the we'll worst get into one, that. yeah, we'll definitely I, get into that. There's, I, I was actually hard pressed to come up with a bunch of stuff I didn't like. So, um, but yeah, monsters true. is the bottom of my list. So anyway, pass the mic to Adrock or uh, Mike D. <laughs> we'll call him uh, Mike V, uh, hailing from the <laughs> uh, south side of Chicago. Allegedly, who is this? <laughs> this oh, is allegedly. Mike. Uh, I pay. for the privilege of having an automobile in the city of Chicago, Vanderbilt. And uh, my least favorite horror movie of the year. I I thought it was a pretty... Before we started making our list, I thought it was a pretty good year for horror. But it was just that there were a lot of horror movies released. And when I started catching up with these movies that I missed throughout the year is when I realized, eh, still pretty mediocre. And I'm putting Hellraiser as my least favorite movie of the year. Ooh, interesting. All right. All right. uh, I, I mean, I could probably sum it up in a sentence, but how did you fuck up making a better Hellraiser movie than the last 10 of them? I mean, everybody wants to shit on Revelations, which is one that I actually wrote something for Daily Grindhouse, sort of half-assed defending it, because I was like, eh. Like, how? And, and I remember being like, you're mad that Doug Bradley's in it, but like, and they got this, this imposter pinhead, but... Doug Bradley also did those other seven shitty Hellraiser movies. Like it, 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 it's amazing that they messed this up, and they messed it up for me. Uh, let's see, here's a couple points, I think. They could have gone sexier with it. I think the Hellraiser movies have, for, for all the people that... <laughs> so a colleague of mine uh, always talks about when critics talk about, oh my God, this movie's like an acid trip. And she goes, none of those people have ever done acid <laughs> in their entire fucking lives. And they have no idea what it's like. Everybody talks about how kinky, you know, Hellraiser is, but I don't think they've ever truly leaned into the kink enough. And I think that's, there's something they could have done there. And I think that it's too fucking long. Mm-hmm. I there's agree no reason for that, that movie to be two hours, because I probably would have forgiven it at 80 minutes. And three, I... Just think, how do you deliver an unmemorable performance as Pinhead? Uh, I heard that's it. kind of where I'm at with it too, Mike. I, I, it's weird. I, I was thinking about that today. I was like, I, I put like, isn't it crazy that we like we're in a year that it's like hard to believe we had a Hellraiser this year. Like I, I remember in the moment, I was like, oh, there's some visually interesting points because I do think David Bruckner is a really strong visual director. But man, I thought the characters were so fucking forgettable, and like mm. there were some interesting sequences that I thought were interesting, like like the stuff in the van, and there were some like interesting components. But yeah, like it just, I guess it's telling that it's the first Hellraiser technically under the Disney umbrella, and like everything else that's coming out of Disney, it's insanely asexual. Like, neutered it's absolutely i mean think about everything that comes out of disney there, there's no love there's no you know they they can't risk any relationships or anything like that what about the queer buzz lightyear side oh, character yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah the, the the points the the one the plus one points they get from doing absolutely nothing like we've talked about in our multiverse of madness episode but yeah i'm, I'm kind of with you there uh very well I'm glad i'm interested that I'm, i was surprised to hear you actually say that because i i saw it on a couple of lists disappointing because yeah. i think it would have been an easy it's a layup after mm-hmm. a decade plus of lame Hellraiser movies, but I am a fool because uh, my favorite Hellraiser movie is Hellraiser Hell on Earth. So Third, well, I don't know. The take my agree. 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 I, I, take agree. Agree. I like that one. <laughs> I like it too. I, I, I didn't see say, the new Hellraiser, so I don't know. I actually did enjoy this Hellraiser pretty much. I, I probably gave like a three out of five. I I think the the my only real knock against it honestly was the fact that 
it was two hours long. I, I think it should have been 90 minutes long, and I would have enjoyed it even more. I do think this is the best Hellraiser movie since Bloodline. I mean, that, for me, is a slam dunk. I think those other six are... Oh, the ones I've oh. seen are legitimately awful movies, so I, I can't go there. They're, un, go they're, there they're unbearable. Uh, it's like it's the Ro- Roger Corman. It's like Hellraiser Revelations well, is like when Roger Corman did Fantastic Four to save the rights. Yeah. It's literally like that. But you know? even worse, they're just well, usually police procedurals that feel like uh, in the seventies it would have been uh, like they did this a lot with. Uh, Porn and horror, where they would just like cut in a scene that has nothing to do with the oh, movie, so that they could market it as such. But I did want to talk about. I mean, the Hellraiser, the the performance. Uh, what's her name? Jamie Clayton, who does yeah, uh, Pinhead. I just think I, I, to Mike to Mike's point about the nerdness of it. Uh, look, you. Can, I understand not wanting to just do Doug Bradley, but Doug Bradley, you can see from the first one that he relishes delivering those lines and mm-hmm. he delivers it with this over the top, you know, hammy panache. And, you know, she doesn't have to do that, but maybe she could have brought some sex appeal to it. Maybe yeah. she could have brought a sense of humor to it. But to me, she honestly brings nothing to it. I, I, I disagree. Oh. I disagree. I know we're early on. This is not the pod, but I actually think she was good in it. I, I oh. think that she made me forget Doug Bradley for the first time in like what, 15, 20 years, honestly. I, I and I like, wish they would have redesigned her makeup completely like, i understand like you're you know it's ip and all that but if you're gonna give me a new we'll pinhead see. give me a new fucking pinhead i i guess i just we'll wish I, I wish it was meaner that was the thing it's like it has some really interesting moments that are that could be mean and like you know technically when you think about it it is but i don't know i just wish it was a little more pronounced i think pronounced is like the key word for me because it's like sure. visually it looks gorgeous like and and, I, and that was never a doubt in my mind just because I think Bruckner is just a fucking awesome, uh, like a visual eye. But yeah, there's just, I don't know. Just wish. I also just wish that like, again, like the characters are just like, they just didn't, the, the protagonist, I just didn't want to follow him. I was just like, all right, let's get them to hell. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. Like the protagonist, now. It, it kept, it was like an uncanny Valley version of um, Fraggle Rock. Um, no. no oh my God. Tatiana Maslany. Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was it was her, but not. It was very. Yeah. It was hard for me to watch in some in some cases. All right. I, I but, will say well, I want okay. to add one thing, one more yep. point. That I think that is something we talk about on the show a lot is about likability of characters. Oh, yeah. But I do think that something that does happen, it's going to come up on this list a lot, is that I do like f- that filmmakers are daring to give us unlikable protagonists, which I think is a throwback to seventies cinema. Sure, I agree with that. That that is challenging us to care about them. Yeah, are they are they interesting? That's my thing. Right. It's interesting, interesting is for me, and it's yes. like again, and, and honestly, I would say the pronouns for characters too, because I just felt it was very like, okay, X person has this has Y problem. That's enough, and it's like, no, I need a little bit more. Like, give me some more personality. Like, someone could be like, I have characters that I hate, and be like, man, I can't, I hope they 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 get theirs. They're just yeah. desserts, but they're at least fun or like interesting or memorable. I, I just mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. All right, Rafa, and what about you? What, what do you think your least favorite movie of the year is? Well, it's weird. It's like I was thinking about this, and it's kind of what Vanderbilt said. I looked up back of the year, and I, I didn't really actually think of anything I could hate. Like, I actually think it was a pretty solid year, and, and some of the highs are certainly highs that I'm going to take with me, 5, 10, maybe even 20. I mean, there's some movies in here I fucking love. But mm. So when I think about like stuff I hated, like there was things that I was like, ah, it could have been better. And that's honestly where I'm at. And if I think about the one that like was the most affecting, like, I wish it was better. It was Nope. Like I I really did 
you know, I it's not that I expected a ton. Uh, just because I, had, you know, I was like, all right, you know, it's a Jordan Peele movie. It's original. This is gonna be that's that's enough to get me in the in the seats. But man, I don't know. It's like I, I did. I had a problem with the final act with us, but I thought that the seventy five percent of that movie was fucking riveting, and I was in. I was on it. And honestly, the only real problem I had is that it just became so exposition heavy at the end. I was like, all right, fine. But with this, it was just like four or five really genius ideas that were all commingled together. And I don't think any of it was, I think one thing was executed pretty well with the Stephen Ewan plot line. And the whole time I kept thinking like, Oh, I want to hear more of this. I want to go back to that. All those scenes were really affecting, but Oh my God. Like I feel like by the final act, I was checking out. I was just like, all right, are we doing another run around the, the, the farm again with like everything, all the, 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 you know, the characters from always sunny boat episode, like the floaty things. Like I, I was just like, all right, let's just get this. Let's wrap this up. And you were talking about Hellraiser being a lot. I thought this was way too long also. I just, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it was, it was really disappointing to me in that I just, I don't know. It just could have been streamlined a little bit more. I mean, this is a guy that has like one of the best fucking screenplays the last 30 years with Get Out. I mean, that oh. is a cracker jack screenplay. I think it is, Mike, is that he always has great ideas in his movies. Yeah. Without question. And people have been dissecting Nope over the last a couple seasons, honestly. And it's interesting, you know, takes on it and what the intentions were, what people are taking from it. And that's great. But does it work as a motion picture? And I feel like at times it did, definitely. There's definitely things that that stay with me. But overall, I was kind of left with, oh, okay, yeah, I got it, but that's it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When we talked about that on the Losers Club, the uh, Randall Danimel's Halloween Hell, because Mel loves that movie, like, and she, yeah. I, I feel bad. She sent me like all these notes she had about it because I was like, "Yeah, what, what's why are you so into Nope?" I need to read them still, so maybe I'll read something that's very illuminating in that. But and I gave it like a good rating on Letterbox and everything. But I think it's what you said, Mike. It, it it feels like a collection of intellectually interesting ideas that I'm kind of sifting through. And there's mm-hmm. no denying the visuals of it. There are a couple knockout sequences. You mentioned the chimpanzee and the the oh, inside absolutely. of absolutely, absolutely. That's my favorite the, part. Yeah, it the peaks the, there for me. The, yep, the digestion yep. scene is really freaky, but here, here's the thing. I've, I've been thinking about Nope a lot. Like it's sticking in my mind, but I, I have zero emotional connection to it. And mm. you could say, I mean, there are P.T. Anderson movies where I'm like, well, what was he getting at there? I, that's, you know, I have to like think about it and it's maybe not so obvious on the screen or the page or whatever, but you feel like some kind of visceral reaction toward it. And I felt like, I felt like I was just watching that movie with my head and not my heart. Like I said, I didn't dislike it per se, but, I do agree with the sentiment about that. Of like, okay, I feel like I'm observing this movie rather than actually engaging with it. Yeah. Let me make an analogy here. I feel like Jordan Peele with Get Out, that was his debut record, right? Oh, yeah. And he totally. had his whole life to write that record. And now he's just treading water trying to come up with something interesting because I didn't like Us that much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I certainly didn't like Nope. And I think a lot of people are talking about, oh, the complex themes that he tackles. I'm like, well, yeah, just because you try to tackle complex themes doesn't mean that it works or that it relates yeah, to the audience. Saying. And I, I think that's a point. And again, I will agree with everybody. All the Stephen Wynn stuff is fascinating mm-hmm. to yeah. me. And I think in a tighter script, there's a more interesting developing of that theme of, you know, that we throw away Hollywood stars. But I just don't think I don't and I don't think that Jordan Peele gets very good performances out of his actors. I think he's fine visually, but I 
I, this one with this one, I just felt like everybody was sleepwalking. Oh, I agree with that. Through the oh, whole, especially thing. The, the the main three or four on the farm. I, I mean, I like Ewan a lot, but like. I thought that the the brother sister thing would just fell flat for me. And like, they're both I, great actors. Yeah. So why aren't we getting this performance? And you know, bottom line, it's not funny enough, and it's not scary enough. And then it turns into like a Spielberg action adventure at the end, and it just doesn't add up. Although I no. will say there would have been one thing that saved me that I was really hoping that was going to happen. So at the end, when she's taking the pictures, right? So obviously yeah. it's a throwback to the horse thing. Mm-hmm. The end tag, either at the end of the movie or after the end credits, her and the brother should have been on Oprah presenting that. Oh, oh yeah. Like, then there's oh, a punchline. of the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. there's a punchline, right? They, yes. they, 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 re- they what, recapture their glory, that they should have had. That's right. I, that would have been possibly interesting, I guess. If, yeah, if Jordan uh, Peele wants to call me, I can help him out with the <laughs> script. I, he, needs, <laughs> yeah. he needs all the help I'm sure he, he needs get, us, clearly. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> but, but I do it... think, but I want to make one comment about Port Peele and that I think a lot of critics and a lot of fans these days really, 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 really want him to be the next, the new John Carpenter, and I simply don't think that he is. He is not, no, no. Well, not yet. He's got a long way ahead. I think he's he's got the hallmarks to possibly do it, but we'll see what happens. And speaking of seeing what happens, I think we've got, oh, I'm feeling a, a presence. I think somebody's uh, trying to join in. Who, who is this? I can't... Uh... Well, this is the ghost of 2021, but to you fools, it's it's Clint Eastwood. This, this oh is what your God. mind. This is what your <laughs> mind can see. You can't see the real ghost of 2021. Now, far be it for me uh, to make any assumptions, but the last time I checked, Mr. Eastwood, I thought that you were alive and well. I am alive, you idiot. This is the, this is the ghost of 2021 uh, uh, speaking through uh, myself, Clint Eastwood, oh. director of forgotten horror film Cry Macho from 2021. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, a film that didn't make your list last year, and I'm here to correct that mistake. Much like Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap, I'm here to right the wrong. Oh boy. I, are you um, um are you talking to an empty chair right now, Clint? Or, or are you like are you using an empty chair in front of you or just you're just on the phone with us? What you put into life is what you get out of it, son. Wow. Very profound. <laughs> perfect, I think that was a line from the that film Cry Macho that we Now I tried to be reasonable. I didn't like it. I think you should put me on your list this year. Uh Mr. Eastwood. I'm sorry, whoever this is, this is the, the uh, ghost? You said this is the ghost of 2021? Ghost collective? of 2020. You fools thought you could forget me, and I'm okay, back I'm, to I'm haunt trying you. To get, I'm just trying to get this straight real quick before I explain the situation. So you are the collective spirits of everybody who died in 2021, and you've now entered Clint Eastwood? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, this is, the, this is the, the ghost of 2021 in the sense that— <laughs> Of of horror that that was forgotten. Oh, oh, horror that was forgotten. The spirit of horror. Okay, I'm trying to get this straight here. I just want to make sure. Now, Mr. Reese, I have to tell you, though, look, as you know, Gerberlytics, they're very astringent. They're in place for a reason. The numbers are calculated in my head, and it's very hard to go back and adjust any of this to put Cry Macho 
you know, literally anywhere between one and ten. Uh, it was hard enough to do the. the I bet you put the conjuring. The devil made you do it on there, didn't you? No, I think that was also twenty twenty one mystery switch slash spirit of twenty twenty one horror movies. So that did not make the list this year either way. No, did not. Well, speaking of the conjuring, though, are you a big fan of uh, what Warner Brothers is doing, especially uh, you know killing your forty year fifty year contract with uh, the studio? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, savage! You know what? I don't really care much for those studio for the for the people these days. You know, that's why we dug up Cry Macho. It was that <laughs> that script was done in the in the 70s, 80s. We tried to get that one done back then. So so we brought it to 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 life. And that kid gave his all and you people forgot him. Wait, no, what kid? You, I haven't seen Cry Macho. Is there a kid in the movie or are you referring to Mr. Eastwood as, as the kid? Oh, I thought he was talking about the the rooster. The, the the film's about a, a one-time rodeo star and a washed-up horse breeder in- takes a job, brings a man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mom. Now... Mm. Can I wait? Go fire it up. You okay? Mr. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Do I look there? okay? <laughs> we, we can't see you. I don't know. No, we're looking at him right now. You can't see him in the... Uh... I was looking around. There. You, see, you see that he's sitting in the back of a car. It's daylight. He does, yeah. Is this the Grand Torino? Oh, sorry. Let me just, let me just say up. before the, the I Grand go, Torino. Before I leave you to your lists, your fool's list, mm. let me just say that uh, that the past is not dead, and that if you want to see more of me, go check out Tightrope playing at the Music Box soon in January 24. <laughs> It's very true. It's during the My good friend Richard Tuggle wrote the film, and I some might some say I ghost directed it. So, oh, very good. uh, Maybe maybe the ghost of twenty twenty one was possessing me then. Even then, this is interesting. So uh, I feel like you're fighting with yourself because you seem to be answering sometimes as as the great venerable actor director Clint Eastwood, but at other times you do seem to be this the spirit of of um forgotten bad horror movies from 2022 2021. It's, it's like Am that scene true? in Ghost when uh you know the ghost goes into Whoopi Goldberg and she fights mm. to get control of herself again, you know? Yeah, That's there right. are there are two kinds of people in this world. I people and we people. I've always tried to be a we person. So we're one and the same. Well, look, on that note, <laughs> wow, very profound. God. I'll tell you what we'll do. We will, <laughs> when we post this, we will have under honorable mention for the best horror movies of 2022, 2021's Western drama, Cry Macho. <laughs> well, I appreciate mention. that. You're I welcome. appreciate that. I hope you you're know, able to rest now. I think that, you know, the future could, might be in better hands. Well, well, let's, well let's, hope. let's look to the future to decide, I guess, right? Okay, well, thanks a lot, Mr. Eastwood, slash the uh, forgotten uh, horror spirit of 2021, I think. I hope I'm right. Take care. You're welcome, and good luck with your list. Uh, but, uh, Dan, to answer your question, technically, uh, Clint Eastwood is in three horror pictures. He's in his directorial debut, Play Misty for Me. Yep, He's in good. one of the Creature movies. Right, Revenge of the Creature and, creature. Tarant- and Tarantula. I, oh, I, wanted, tarantula, yeah. I didn't get a chance to ask him because we were just talking about Nope and 
the great scene where the chimp goes nuts. I wanted to ask him if the orangutan and uh, every which way but loose or any which way you can. Is it what do they both have an orangutan or just yeah, one? Yeah, do they both? Yes. The I orangutan he, gets top billing, actually. I think. I wanted to see if uh, the orangutan caused them any problems or attacked them. I think they're pretty peaceful primates, uh, unlike chimpanzees, which are known to be vicious. But anyway, well, next time, next time. To be fair, I mean, Million Dollar Baby is a horror movie. I mean, we to live in a world where assisted suicide isn't a thing. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mark, that's ah, 28 Jesus. minutes in, 25 minutes in. <laughs> we did it. Well, look, we, to be fair, we are talking about grim material with these horror movies. It's a movies. horror podcast, yeah. And so Life's far, horrific. the movies that we've talked about, we're not all big fans of. But uh, I think it's time, hey, why not, you know, actually talk about our favorite movies of 2022, specifically horror movies. We mentioned honorable mention, of course, 2021's Cry Macho, which may be <laughs> Clint Eastwood's final picture for Warner Brothers. It looks like that might be the case. Kind of sad, but honorable mention to that. But number 10, and I'm going, this is actually a little bit of a tie here, but number 10, I'm going to let Mr. Vanderbilt discuss this entry. And the entry is The Menu. Oh, oh. this one made the top 10. Top 10. I, I uh, realize, I will say outright that when I put this on a top 10, I knew I was stretching what the definition of a horror picture is. Oh, people are calling but, it that, though. Well, yeah, it, I, fits the, it fits. Oh. I feel that it, it uses enough tension and release that it can qualify. Yep. But I uh, just caught this movie last Thursday, and I thought it was very funny, very sharp. Uh, I often, I, as, as I walked out of the theater, I wondered if maybe the the writer to filmmakers ever con- would have considered Anthony Bourdain for the role mm. the Ray finds or at least he inspired them mm. he inspired inspired the character a little bit I just really dug it but I think the one takeaway I I have from it and I talked about it on Twitter last night for a minute is that it ca- it got listed under a list of you know best eat the rich parodies that came out recently and I am not a defender of the rich I am not rich I never was rich I probably never will never will be rich but I think sometimes it's they're painted in such broad the richer painted in such broad strokes in movies usually by filmmakers who as we said in the year early in the show already have money and are rich <laughs> yeah. you know I, I don't necessarily feel bad for them so it feels kind of like pandering to the crowd what I like about the menu is that it's less about that and it's more about taking the piss out of people who take the joy out of everything. That's what hit me thematically mm. with this movie. And uh, I, wanna, I was going to make my letterbox for you simply, okay, do film Twitter next. Mm. <laughs> hey, uh, the menu two, uh, the specials from the menu two, maybe. <laughs> R.I.P. Terry Hall. I was going to say, yeah. yeah uh, he just, I just died. saw that today, yeah, right? Like just died. Like, yeah. Right before we start recording, Terry Hall. Uh. Okay, so that's number 10. Has anybody else seen the menu? I'm dying to see this movie. I, I, I cannot believe they haven't. There's a few movies that are in theaters right now that I'm kind of shocked that haven't hit streaming yet. I imagine the menu will be like next week or something you like know, that. Mm-hmm. By, ranking, by my ranking, the Halloween rankings out of five stars, the Mike Vanderbilt rankings out of four, I walked out of the theater with three and a half, but the more I thought about it, I think that's it's four stars. And I think that we're on the verge of a Leguizamo sense. You heard it here first, folks. I wondered what you. I wondered how, what you had been watching. I, 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 I thought that you might have seen like Violent Night or something because I know he's in that. I totally forgot that he's in the menu also. Oh, he's very, he's very good at everybody is so good. Yeah. Well, I should it, mention yeah. right now before we move on to number nine is that uh, my brother Mac, uh, who could not join us at all this evening, as you know, uh, he did submit his top ten, so he will not be able to speak in some of these movies. But we did the Gerberlytics figured in. All five of our top tens. So did, did Max see the menu? I believe he 
I think I think he did, but I don't think he it was not in his top yeah. ten. I just wish way. we could talk to him. I know. Yeah. I, I miss him. I haven't talked to him in so long, you know. Mike Ruffman, any, any thoughts on Mac? Uh well, you know, he's he's uh he's a cool <laughs> dude and uh knows how to howl because he's the wolf man. The That's wolf right. man Fan- Mac. Oh Annabelle, any any final thoughts on Mac? <laughs> man, we had a fucking great time down in Florida. Let me tell you. Yeah? I'm sure he's a great, it's a great time. You, there's a little bit of an odd couple situation going on here. Uh, I felt like I, or at least I was like, wow, yeah, I'm not sure is- who the Oscar and who the Felix was in yeah. that, in that case. I think you'd be more, who, who's the, the party, the more the, the that would be party Oscar, animal. but you're like, the Oscar, no, but I'm so, also right? very fastidious in the way that hmm. I dress. Oh, okay. I, and I got you. I see. Yeah. That's, but I think point. I would be the Oscar in that. We situation. all contain we a, multitudes, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we had a great time. Yeah. Number Mac, nine. we miss you. And Mac, I, hope, God, I hope you're doing okay. Hope you're doing hope okay. You're doing well out there. Number nine is a little movie called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. This was actually pretty high up on my list. I should say the menu was number five on Vanderbilt's list for the year, and, and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was uh, top five for me as well. Now, I say that to kind of go back to what Vanderbilt was saying at the beginning of this, where there weren't a lot of, can I speak on top of that, I guess, there weren't a lot of, uh, bad, awful horror movies this year that I saw. And I, I think I saw no, a lot more than usual. Yeah. I saw about 15 right. to 20 horror movies. But there were a lot of pretty good movies. And I do think that a lot of pretty good movies are going to take up a lot of our lists, to be honest with you. It's not until we really get into our collective top fives when it's like, okay, here we go. These are actually some solid solid entries. But I do think that Buys, Buys, Buys was, was a good movie. And I was also kind of wary of it going in, thinking, is this going to be another a Twitter fave, but the rest of the country could give a shit about it. But I was uh, impressed by a lot of the performances. I thought the direction was really good. I thought the, the use of uh, kind of natural lighting throughout was good. And I thought the payoff really worked. I thought it all yeah. kind of made sense at the end. Um, I know, Ralph, I know you saw this. You thought it was pretty good too, right? Yeah, we, we this is one we watched in Maine together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, right. I really dug this one. I What I loved about it is that it's so self-aware of just how insufferable um, the current state of things are. <laughs> yeah, it, it does a good job of commenting on itself, much like yeah. I think what you were saying, Vanderbilt. The menu kind of does, I think. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. This is fun, and also look, anything that has Lee Pace, get Lee Pace and more things. I love them. Wonderfulness. I will say. I did call the ending in my like about five minutes in, but it didn't matter. Like the payoff mm. is still good, but like it's. You you know even if I did know where what the ending you know what the the, the kind of twist was I still didn't know where it was going half the time like yeah. there's a lot of really interesting set pieces and pacing in this movie like it kind of goes to places where I'm like oh that's kind of wild and interesting I, I I actually think you probably could do more of these like I think it's I don't I'm not saying we need another bodies 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 maybe they do like add three more bodies so it's bodies 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 <laughs> bodies or they just Ooh. keep adding more different ones but it, it seemed like a medium that you could revisit over and over again to varying and interesting results but yeah, now was the we'll was the payoff that film critic getting fired from the New York Times from the TikTok video and all that you remember all that <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that was fun I think I missed this. That's all I know about the movie, which is sad. Yeah. I, um, but I, I mean, I, that, anyway, we won't have to go into that. Well, that's all. That's like literally all I know about it. Yeah. My favorite. Were they dating is, Pete Davidson? No, 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 no. It was, <laughs> no, it, was no. Uh, it would, it would be so Byzantine to go into it. Now, <laughs> look up bodies, bodies, bodies. New York Times film critic. You'll see this critic who got. Once again, uh, the critics yeah. had a real who fun got bodied. time with a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Did it again. Yeah. What winners? We, um, <laughs> we, we did it. I'm biting my tongue so hard. 
I feel like uh, Hillary Swank at the end of Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> um, but we got to move uh, on. Uh, we got to uh, move I, on here. Oh, wait. wait his, so you two have not seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I have not, but I was okay. going to say you set yourself up for a nice little segue talking about tongues, but I don't know if this movie made the list and where it is in the ranking. So I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I, don't I, don't exactly. I, literally, I literally have no idea. What you're I have no about. idea what you're talking. <laughs> All right, maybe it's not. So maybe it's not on the list. Maybe it's the not on the end. list. I know we'll what see. he's talking about. All right. Yeah. Well, listen. We oh, re- I do now. I know now. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. We got to recap real quick here. Uh, honorable mention, of course, 2021's Cry Macho. <laughs> number ten, <laughs> The Menu. Number nine, Bodies, 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 and number eight. Preface this by saying. I saw the first 25 minutes of this, but I was so tired mm. that I did not want to start nodding off and then, you know, ruining the rest of the movie. So I, I said, good night, ladies and gentlemen, and Maine, and I went to bed. And what is that movie, Mike Rothman? Deadstream. Mm. Yeah, this is, um, this is a shocker for me because, you know, the, the protagonist is so perfectly captured of, <sighs> of what it's like to be a YouTube influencer right now. Mm, yeah. And so, you know, it's kind of what you were talking about Vanderbilt before, where it's like, you kind of hate this person because I hate these, I hate these YouTube influencers. We always make fun of like, you know, the, the sort of soy face that they always have on their, look at me. (laughs) I, for me, it's like, he, he, it just absolutely won me over because you're, you know, halfway through, you're like, all right, I'm in on in it. But it's because the performance is so good because it's so good. It's, he nails it all to a T. It's, it's, it's so perfect. And, and, and I believe it's the, the writer and director too, at the same time. Right. So, yes. Really solid. It, I mean, it's Raimi. It's basically found footage Evil Dead. I thought there mm. were some really great scares. I thought there were some really great laughs. I was riveted through and through. It's a little long, but I still think it earns it. And I, I'm i a huge fan of found footage. And this movie warrants the found footage in a, in a way that uh, keeps it exciting and keeps it fresh. And it's just, uh, it's very video gamey, like, too, which is hard to achieve, but it does a really good job at that. And I would say go back to it, Justin, because it's, it's, I, I do, I do. Want there's some to, really yeah. great scares in it, uh, especially towards the end when you're just like, uh, I can't believe we're going here at this point. So yeah. Well, this stuff. is also uh, the first entry that we've had that landed on two people's top 10 lists. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mike, this was number eight for you. And this was number 10 for the intolerable Mikey V. <laughs> Because <laughs> I it was a late I, I watched it this afternoon because True. as just as Justin knows, I was having trouble coming up with ten horror movies to make top ten lists and even considered throwing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh Lord. Simply because it wasn't that bad. And if anything, that scene on the bus is nothing if not memorable. Mm-hmm. But I've spoken my positive notices on that piece of trash. And I mean that affectionately, by the way. <laughs> it is memorable. That's the thing. I mean, like, if you I, want to I talk about it, how are, yeah. like, how is it a better movie? But there are certainly things in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that are I still laugh and think about. Uh, well, I still yeah. I still want the Werewolf of the Alamo movie uh, that was playing at the theater in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. But yeah, Deadstream, I mean, I, I just echo everything Mike says about how perfect the uh, lead was as that role. And what a doll the chick is, right? Yeah, yeah. Stone Cold Fox, maybe it's total uh, Stone Cold Fox, yeah, and also so very funny moving. too. Like she, uh, I mean, I don't know how much we're revealing of twists and turns, but you don't see it coming. At least yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. All right, you know what? You know what? Also, was happening? You know I see it. do you remember the? Well, the connection was kind of fucking up when we were watching it. That's and, right. That's and right. I think, and it's weird because that movie's so perfect for that. Usually, like I will lose my mind if that happens, <laughs> and I, I can't handle it. But because it's basically a bandwidth situation and Wi-Fi in that, it almost made it like this like oh. weird 4D experience for me. Like, <laughs> and 
and Mike, on that same tip, I think this does have rewatch value because yeah. sometimes I don't like when stuff is too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Too cute with the mm. way it presents the movie, but presenting it as the live stream with the little comments yeah. from the watchers. Yep. And I'm sure there's a bunch of jokes that yeah. I missed. Like I said, it's it's also very funny, I yeah. think. And it's it's a lot to do with the lead and the way he delivers some of these lines, which would be annoying if that wasn't the joke. Mm-hmm. I think no. that that would offer some great rewarding rewatches in the future, too. And you can't really say that about a couple of these entries. Possibly. Granted, I haven't rewatched a lot of these, but uh, we'll get to some of those in the not-too-distant future. But before we do that, let's just say I had my eye on this next entry for quite a while, and I was very happy with this result. You could say it stars the current... Uh, Maybe maybe the current Scream Queen, not nah, Jenna Ortega is, but another Scream Queen, and that movie is Watcher. Yeah, that uh, was uh, number nine on my list overall. Mike, that made your top five. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, really, really, really dug this movie, and mm-hmm. I I had really low expectations too because I'll be frank, like I just think Micah Monroe has had some really bad. Uh, picks and I mm-hmm. don't think that she's I mean she came in with such a splash with you know doing the guest and then obviously it follows but then you know I guess Independence Day resurgence not a good idea ultimately I, I just kind of felt like well where has she been and so when this hit Shutter, I didn't really have any expectations for it but man I was really stung by it I mean like Chloe Okono's direction it, it had like a kind of put like a modern lens on and like De Palma and even Polanski at points like there is just stuff visually that really stuck with me like there's a moment where she's investigating another apartment building and she has to get back and she Mm. she goes down she tries the elevator and then she goes to to use the stairs and there's a shot and it's i just literally like went like (gasps) like i look like joaquin phoenix from like signs like it's such a fucking (laughs) scary shot and then though then what it goes back to with her getting in the elevator it's very hitchcocky and and i i which you could say is de palmesque too and I don't know. I had said fun. I, I watched it like like eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, I did. The same. I was riveted. I was just like zoomed in oh. on it. It has that final act thing where every thriller needs that 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 you just kind of have that moment where you're like, oh, okay, how is this going to shake out? There's another life to this because you know, as the great thrillers do, you think it's over and then it's not. And mm-hmm. I love those moments. It gets a little cute sometimes with some of the things at the end, but I um, I still dug it. And look, it's on Shutter. And this this was a pretty really solid fucking entry in the shutter canon. So, I think you sold yeah. me on this one. Oh, it's, it's, it's good, top man. 10 yeah, too. my movie too. It yeah. it was like number eleven for me, but I still really loved it. And no, no one I thought of when watching it. You guys all live in a city. Have you ever gone off the bus late at night, and then someone else gets off the bus with you? Maybe a woman who you don't know. And she's walking a little bit ahead and you're behind her and you're like, oh, I hope she doesn't think I'm following her <laughs> yeah. because I'm not oh, totally. like, and then I've had Damn. times where I mean, I've like, actually, <laughs> you I know, like Michael Myers and, and Rob Zombie's Halloween two in the wintertime. I'm always <laughs> yeah. cognizant no, with my giant hoodie. I'm six foot three. <laughs> I'm always very cognizant who's around me. And the movie bottles that feeling on Perfect. both that plays with that yeah. for a while, which I've never seen another movie uh, uh, do. And I also think that, look, I'm married to an actor, an actress. I don't want to spoil it because we're trying oh, to prom king spoil over here. too much. Yeah, I know. Joke. He was, was the, the prom, prom king. I was the prom king. I know. <laughs> I'll never, <laughs> I, will never, I will never forget <laughs> that he was the prom king. Oh, oh I, thought yeah. you, I thought you didn't know and we're just saying. Oh, no, I know that. <laughs> Dan never um, lets us forget, to be fair. 
I was gonna make a 9-11 joke, but uh, hell, Please, I'll, I'll let's hold those oh, to the I, end. <laughs> well, no, I mean, just look, say I, I went to prom in two thousand two. Might as well check that box off too. Yeah, Oof. here we go. Why not? Right, we're we're going there. But hey, we talked about crying macho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I and you know I've seen my wife like struggle through the challenges of show business and everything because there are a lot of them. And I I actually thought the movie sometimes it can be really insufferable to watch a movie about an actor. You know what I mean? And I thought this movie really nailed that and what it feels like to kind of have that spotlight on you, especially when it's not going well and how you handle yourself in social situations and how that might inform paranoia and what it means to put yourself out in the world and what, and what the idea is of performing. Cause I think the movie plays with that a lot. Well, I hopefully think I'm not the, spoiling too much. On the same token, on the same notion, Dan, is the fact that it's about, it's all about an actor. But you never see your actual career happening. Yes, you never see your act. Interesting. Well, you never see your actually. Well, you kind of see your act, and yeah, that way, yeah. You'll, but you know what I mean. You'll see. You, yeah. You'll see everyone. That's yeah. I love Watcher. Check it out. It's a good uh, suspenseful watch. I will say it. It definitely takes its time, which I also really appreciate. It. It does harken back to seventies, eighties. It earned its length. Yes. I mean, it's not super long, but it, like it earned its pace, unlike some of the the lesser movies this year. I think I would agree. All right, now we're going to move on to our number. Six entry. Oh. And this going forward, the following the last six movies all made our top tens in various spots. So number six. And we'll be bringing this director up again later on. Ah. Rob Zombies. No, okay. Uh it's <laughs> Ty West's X coming in. Uh. X yeah. going to give it to you. Coming in at number six. Vanderbilt, you had this all the way up at number three. Indeed, I did. Wow. Would you like to talk about X? I, I would, as a matter of fact. I mean, that's why I came on a show, right? Well, too bad. Mike <laughs> Rothman. No, I'm kidding. Please go. <laughs> no, and come back, Mike. Come back. Don't, come, uh, come back. Come on. I, I mean, this is right in my wheelhouse. It's a porno mm. movie about... Uh, or a, a horror movie about making a porno movie, <laughs> which is that idea. I mean, if anybody wants to check out my short trailer that's on, uh, what's it? It's on some it's on trauma, video. It, but it's on a trauma comp as well oh, called, okay. called Don't Pull Out. That's what we shot it for. And we mm-hmm. did a trailer for a fake horror movie that takes place on a porno set. And yeah, I always thought I would develop, could develop that into a pretty good script. Now, you won't believe the role Vanderbilt plays. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's pretty good. And, but like X was just, I mean, I hesitate how, with how much I like X because I feel like I'm becoming a parody or a stereotype or like of myself uh, in the sense that I only like shit that takes place in the past. Because <laughs> one of the reasons I had a, such a hard time making a list of 10 horror movies for the year is that I kind of had to catch up with them all at the end because I'm too busy watching older shit. Uh, to be fair, I was I was watching a lot of older stuff. I think Ruff and I were talking about this, but yeah. I, I've been just w- watching a lot of stuff that's thirty, forty, fifty years old this whole year. Yeah, but that's that's but, more of a that's more of a knock on the general year in movies, which is a whole other podcast. But X, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the the big return for Ty West. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of his more accessible pictures. In a way, he's like I think something like I love House of the Devil, but I think that movie's almost too deliberate in its pacing that people might check out. I think X gives you a little bit more. Uh, and I, I like one thing I like about Ty West is that nobody's truly nobody's safe in his movies. And it's punctuated mm-hmm. by all those great moments of violence. And then there's all these weird little touches like that. It's about, it's about sexual repression. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, al- and there's a fucking alligator mm-hmm. in there. And then it does one of my favorite things in horror movies. As listeners to the show know, it ends with a pithy, memorable line 
punctuated by a loud rock and roll song. Mm-hmm. It really was checking. It was you could say it was a marking X all over your tick box. Am I right? Indeed. I will. Uh, and I had me this a number... Stone Cold Fox. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. But I had I had this in number six. It, ironically enough, it's high up on my list. But my favorite part about the movie was was not the slasher element of the last thirty to thirty to forty minutes. It was actually the first, you know, hour fifteen mm. when there was the the tension and the build up to what would happen that during that final night in the movie. I thought was done extremely well. And that kind of harkened back to what I loved about something like House of the Devil, which was deliberately paced, like you said, Vanderbilt. But at the same time, I do agree. You know, not as mainstream as you can make X out to be. X really delivers on everything. And Halloween is Dominion makes use of Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way... We'll be making another appearance on this on this list <laughs> later on. Stand we'll in say. Don't say. And yeah, do you, do you anything to add? And Dan, you had this at number. I think 10, I had this at Rock ten. Yeah, I, I really like X, and and I think I'm with you, Justin. I'm actually drawn to it more for its themes than I mean. I, I like the porno and the slasher elements and everything, but I hadn't seen a horror movie dive that deep into this idea of repression and. I, I to be honest, when I saw it, I didn't know that Mia Goth was playing. Oh, me neither. I had no idea. And no when I found that, when I saw the tra- trailer for Pearl afterwards, and then went home knowing that, that just like changed it for me. It's not mm-hmm. perfect in my mind, but I I can't think of another horror movie that's done that. And it's weird because I read an interview with him recently where he's talking about like, yeah, no, I'm creating IP with this. I'm creating a series, right? That's what you want to do with your slasher series. Now, if he continues to create a series and like does something completely different with each one, I mean, that would oh. be amazing. Like, well, that yeah, would Maxine be, I, coming out next year. I, I would Can't wait for love this. If, if we get like yeah. four or five movies and it's in this world, I, I can't think of an equivalent to that. I mean, I always you bring know. up Chucky or whatever, but Chucky's a little bit, I love Chucky, but it's a little more lowbrow, right? Like it's almost oh, like yeah. 824 art house horror. Like what does that IP look like in that and with prestige around it? And, and but also some sleaze. It so, treads yeah. that line. And I think that's what's so yes. good about it. And I think, you know, if there's anything that can discredit X is that it is pretty much a prestige. You know, it's it's trying to redo Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's my, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's a gripe with it. But I mean, and we'll talk about it later. The fact that in the sequel, he does a complete 180 I just thoughts. think yeah, I, it's I fucking brilliant. Yeah, okay. I mean, my, my thing is a better movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I came. That was my most anticipated film of the year because I, I mean, Ty West is arguably my favorite filmmaker of the last ten years. Jesus, certainly. Well, of at least new filmmakers. If, if I'm looking at it, yeah. yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, it, you know, I'm still leaning on a lot of filmmakers from 20, 30 years ago. But Put in that terms on the poster, of like, folks, it's, it's, in terms of like new filmmakers, I've always just been obsessed with them, just because I think so many of his movies feel singular and separate from anything he's done before. Now, my issue with X initially coming out of it when we all went to go see it at the music box was that it felt like, okay, well, yeah, there is a lot of uh, allusions to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I like what he's doing with his concepts of on, on age and mortality, especially with the older characters. I felt that, as you were saying, Justin, it's like about towards the final act, I just felt like it, it kind of, um, I don't know, it loses some of the tension that it had before. And then I, I think ultimately in terms of an experiment, when you look back at like what Ty has done leading up to this, everything really does feel separate from it, from each other. Like they all are different movies and they all aesthetically have different uh, tones and and different uh, feels to it. And what I thought that was a, you know, kind of like a disappointment for me was that like, yeah, 
everyone does these movies that are set in the 70s and 80s, but no one does it to perfection like he does. But he already proved that already with House of the Devil for me. So it's yeah. like, for, for me, it was like, well, what are you doing? You're going back on it. But then there's another movie that he did this yeah. year that changes everything <laughs> yeah. that makes me look at it differently. And so mm-hmm. I kind of, we were texting on the thread earlier this week and I said something to the effect of Pearl's the movie that he wanted to make. This is the movie that it got to get there. And it certainly changed my opinion of it after watching it. And I think I've come around to it a little bit more, but I agree, Mike. Yeah, it is. It certainly is most accessible. It is almost like, I like the idea that if house of the devil, he nails all the aesthetics and manages to make a fucking movie. That's literally from 1980. Uh, that feels like it's from 1980, but it was made in 20, 2009. But you're right. It isn't accessible because I've literally tried showing this to multiple people that actually love horror. And they're like, Oh, come on, let's get to the point. This is the this is like the sort of counter to that, but also mm-hmm. capturing that 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 decade of feeling. But yeah, I mean, again, it's not like I didn't like or dislike these this movie. It's just very like um, I think I held it. I think I was expecting a little bit more. Oh, but like, I was, I was, yeah. I was too. Uh, but just in the long run of the the year, this still, I mean, this is the one that resonated with the most. Yeah. After, but even afterwards, I was kind of like, yeah, it was pretty good, but it didn't do everything I wanted it to do necessarily. But we're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Max is not here, but he also had this on his top 10. He had this at number seven. So let's get to our, and this is actually complicated. The next two entries tied for number four, but the, the tiebreaker in a way yeah. is the following Clint, movie. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Cry monster. <no. laughs> so I guess technically it's tied for fourth, but we'll talk about it now movie that came out on Hulu earlier this year and made all five of our lists. Yeah, all of our top sevens at the very least for that matter. And that movie is Prey, the new Predator movie. Let's see here. Mac actually had this at number two on his list. I had this at number three. Let me go ahead and just, I guess I'll speak on it. I really like this movie uh, quite a lot, actually. I was... I was expecting it to be, you know, pretty good. Dan Trachtenberg did Tinkle Overfield Lane. I thought it was a pretty effective thriller. And I think the commitment to, you know, having this be Native American cast through and through, having so much of it be silence as well, which I thought could have easily been evaded, or maybe notes would have said, now you got to move this action up a little bit more. I also watched the um, the Comanche cut version, which I think also add to the experience just make yeah. it that much more of a natural i need to do that still it's pretty cool so it's cool. pretty cool how they do it and it was so good in a lot of ways that i was convinced it was cgi and i saw the behind the scenes and i think everything basically everything except for the bear is actually practical effects like the predator pretty effects sure. are practical which really? i was kind of blown away by the behind the scenes it's practical the oh. mouth movements and everything else i was kind of stunned Oh, I was told otherwise, and I'm surprised by that. Actually. Oh, I saw the behind the scenes. They're like, huh? no, this is all practical. So uh, just a good movie through and through. The best Predator movie since the first one, probably, for me at least. So I don't I know. Agree. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next with this franchise. Because that's the thing about the Predator franchise is that the Predator is the star, and it can take place wherever and whenever in the history of mankind. And the fact that they went back so many, you know, so many years was, was I thought, really genius move on their part. I want to build on that point because I think that's something that I like that, that, that comes up on this list, on my list a lot, mm-hmm. is filmmakers daring to do something different 
Yes. Within a franchise. And I, when I first started hearing about this movie, I was already sold on it because I think it's so inspired to have the ultimate hunter of the galaxy take on the ultimate hunter of Earth, you know, the Comanche. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the movie and it's, you know, also relatively brisk, which is great. But you get this great, you know, drama between the brother and sister, which I think was played up very well and right on. I know there was some criticisms online, like where you know, and there's always some ding dong talking about how you know these movies are too too woke or whatever. But I don't think I don't think that was the message behind this movie. They just came up with a cool character and put her in there, and it works because you believe that because it was probably 100 percent true that she would not have been taken seriously. By the rest of the You're tribe. Correct. In trying to be a hunter. And that's why it makes it a compelling story. And I like that the brother comes around. And mm-hmm. the only thing that kind of, you know, I was like, eh, about is like, I just didn't like the new Predator design. I would have preferred it just to be traditional, classic Predator. Because I like the idea that the Predator has never really evolved. The Predator has just been the same when he fights Dutch in 1987. And when he fights saying. the Comanche... Whenever the hell that was in the 1700s. But I, re- I, I read, the, I don't know if this is a correct read on it, because I got from both the characters, the the main girl and the predator, that they were novices, right? They were skilled hunters, but also just starting out to hunt. Right. So I thought that the sort of shortened tusks and the rounder face, I thought that was because he was a younger predator. I have no idea if that's valid or not. That was like I gotta look up my predator lore and see what yeah, the I'm story sure is with the, wiki. the etymology uh, and the biology of the Also, predator. Amber Mid-Thunder. Great. Stone Cold Fox. My yeah. goodness. She, she, I don't she know. I think the, I think the Predator was but... the Stone Cold Fox in that movie. And, yeah, he's uh, um, he can do lots of stuff with no, those the Fre- mandibles. The, oh, the, yeah. The French trappers. Although, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I know you guys are probably, you're all about the same age. Whenever you see French trappers, and you're what say, is the first, I'm going to ask you, what is the first thing you think of? I think of an office setting. <laughs> and, I think of, and I think of Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald singing He has spirit okay. One day he will make I, vice president of the company I've only seen kids in the hall here and there So I actually well, I'll don't send know you the sketch. It's very yeah. violent and very funny I, I will say too I To what you guys are saying Like you know, we get tired of slasher movies kind of recycling the same thing all the time. I would be fine if just every Predator movie Different time period Yes, Same please. kind of deal Different like so Something some different the, Give me the uh, we see it in Predator Two. We see a T Rex skull. Give me one that's just predators fighting dinosaurs. Oh all my time. god! I fucking love that. Like, well, you know, Prey me? was a hit, so I mean, yeah. don't discount yeah, there, that. There, there will be more Prey. Yeah, I, I think there will be more Prey, Mike. That was, it, this, yeah. is, this is number seven on your list. Anything else you want to add to that? I mean, just everything you all said has just been great. I mean, like, more just more expansive, you know, swings. Uh, when it yeah. comes to the, you know creative IP, like I, the unpredictability of of knowing. Of what's going to be next, not just in the movie, but also the franchise would be fucking great. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, we're watching, I mean, you know, even watching like the new Scream trailer, it made me realize, like, yeah, thank God. New York, great. Yeah, awesome. I'm I'm more excited now than I have been in the last three entries of this franchise because I have no fucking clue what it's going to look like when X, in this case, Ghostface, is going to be (laughs) in Y, which is in this case, New York. Like, do that more often. It's not that hard. I thought you were just referring to Pearl as No, 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 no. Yeah, X. (laughs) Doing the Vanderbilt thing. Yeah, X came around the corner. Yeah. uh, Killed a goose. But it's so easy. It's it's literally the bare bones of storytelling. Like, okay, I have this person, and I have this setting. 
do that over and over again. If, and yeah. you could easily, especially when you have a medium like the Predator that makes it so easy. Just yeah, keep doing it. Fucking Christ, like why not? Like well, I think the problem is because with a lot, of, I think with a lot of other IP, like Halle Green, for instance, mm-hmm. it's okay, cool. We because with Prey, I mean, if you boil down the the core story of Prey, it's the same as the first one. It's like it you is. know, someone yeah. in the world yeah. is going it, which is fine. But it, they transport. It's a it's a different demographic of character. It's a different age of character. Different size of different character, size, different, different instruments, time different period, stakes, yeah. different yeah. in different vegetative environment, all that. So there's enough there. Like, I mean, there's only so many stories you can tell. The, the problem is that when we get like a Halle Green, and you know, I like Halle Green, I think a lot more than than, uh, yes. than most of y'all do. Yes. But with Halle Green, it's like, okay, let's get Michael Myers. Where are we going to put him? Haddonfield. Uh, all right, what's <laughs> no, he going to do? Well, he's going to escape on Halloween night. And who's he going to fight? Well, it's like, okay, like you, you can't. I mean, I don't, I actually Dan, don't know if we're going to get to I it. I think but, you yeah, just so. came up with the pitch because I want to see the Predator fight Michael Myers. But there is oh one very hollow green <laughs> moment in Prey that I'm torn on. And it's when the brother says, yeah. if oh, it bleeds, you can kill it. But I have a feeling that if this was released to theaters, which it probably should have been. If yes. this was released in theaters, yeah, I don't know and if you, were a, if you were in a packed house opening night, that line would have just elicited so many cheers from I will the say audience. It was also interesting to to hear that line, like I said, in Comanche. Yeah. It was pretty it yeah. added to the humor in a lot of ways, actually. I think it earns that one thing. It earns the flintlock pistol, right? From uh, uh which which is weird. Honest, we actually that, that's a whole other discussion. That confused me kind of anyway. it confused the hell out of me, but we'll yeah, talk about same. that. Well, that's the pistol from two, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but it's but, weird because yeah, it's not. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, anyway, okay. it's hard to make the direct line to it. Season yeah. whatever. Maybe in the future we'll talk more about what the hell's <laughs> yeah. going on there. Uh, I think uh, my last word on that, I guess, is a lot of times we talk about how a sequel is just like a plug and play. It's a knock on it, but I think with the Predator franchise, when you plug in the Predator to, to anywhere else, it, it just actually works better as opposed mm-hmm. to just a, being a retread. I agree. Okay, so now we got to go to the movie that it tied with for number four, and I swear to God. I mean, two and a half months ago. I know. Ah! <laughs> uh, no, I know what it is. Yeah. If you told us <laughs> this would be the collective uh, fourth best horror movie of 2022, I would have said this must have been a really awful year. Uh, not the case. Obviously, we, we've talked about this movie for, I'd say, about four, four and a half hours altogether over the last couple of months. But why not talk about it again? David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends. Mac had this on his list at number five. I had this on my list at number eight. Vanderbilt and Caffrey, number two, number two. And Rothman, you had your at number four. So Vanderbilt, as somebody who swore, no, nah, that's <laughs> not fair. As somebody who said, I'll probably like this one the most months ago, uh, it came to fruition. And, you were the uh, one who you, put the money on it. I can't remember what episode it was that uh, Vanderbilt was going to give this one uh, a very high rating. It was you, Justin. Well, thanks for reminding me. You haven't paid me up on that yet, but we have to go <laughs> review the tape and see what you owe me. But so, yeah, talk a little bit about Halloween and you know, I where do I start? Yeah, this, I mean, where do I start do with say? this? Where do we what, say? What but here, no, here's say? here's what I can say. Like in the months since October, mm. so then you say to yourself, like we all walked out of it very high on it. Is it going to hold up? And I'm not one who generally sits down and rewatches stuff. But mm. Halloween Ends has kind of become, and this might be the first time this movie will ever be compared to this movie, Halloween Ends has become the new Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at Rock Allen Public House in a sense that it's a movie that Ashley and I will put on at the end of the night so that we can sit down and watch the rest of it after we get everybody out of there. And mm. we just find ourselves watching it, and we did it on Saturday, 
I accidentally put on kills. <laughs> so I was looking for ends. They were like, ah, just let kills run. Because kills, as I, we discussed in the uh, after the watch long, the kills, the pacing is way off. But as far as a bar movie goes, it's great. A lot of big visual stuff. And as I watched kills for the first time, have having seen ends, well, you know, watched it at the bar and just seeing kind of the big parts. I think ends actually makes kills a little bit better of a movie because I like that dichotomy of it going from something so loud and garish and stupid to something that really, uh, to use a cliche swings for defenses in terms of themes. And I'm always finding something new as I'm watching little parts that I'm questioning what that means and what were the filmmakers going with that? And then maybe some of that's due to reshoots. Maybe that's something, and uh, maybe that is due to the script and that they had a plan in place. I still don't like 2018, but ends. What a fucking surprise. And Mm. honestly, it's the best Halloween sequel out there for me. Mm. I just love that fucking movie. I just think it's so fucking cool and so weird. And it goes back to what I said about prey in that, Take some chances with these franchises, and it will pay off. I think the movie did well at the box office, but I do know. I you hear we want to talk about bets that we'll place on ten years from now. Uh, I'm going to read about all the fucking articles about how mm-hmm. Halloween ends as an underappreciated masterpiece. Absolutely, yeah, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And Caffrey, I have a question for you. You don't have to talk about. You've talked about this a lot. I know. But how many times have you seen this movie? Four or five at this point. Wow. How many times in theaters? Yeah. Uh, just once in theaters, actually. Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, it was right on Peacock when I came home. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything Vanderbilt said, it, there is there's still mystery to this movie when I watch it. Absolutely. I, it's like it's like the one Halloween movie, maybe outside of the first one, where everyone's not just explaining everything away the whole time. Like there's and yes. I still I still think these characters are genuinely complex. And I, th- I, I kept waiting. I'm like, I know what we hype this up a lot. And I like it more and more every time I rewatch it. I love the style of it too. I mean, I've I've said so much in this movie, but yeah, it is not. It, it just keeps getting better every time I see it. I really do. And I'm not just trying to be an idiot stan or something. No, no, I, I no. no. I think it. we've all talked about well, it a lot over the last couple of months. But Rothman, Mike, Kevin made a good point. I think if if there was a moment in this movie where they explain exactly what has happened, like he's definitely been possessed, or he's definitely not been possessed, would that have knocked down the movie in your estimation? Do you like the fact that they just let it? Just let the movie rip and just take. Oh yeah, no. If there was any of the exposition that was, you know, plaguing kills, it, this movie goes down for me. Yeah. yeah, the fact that it's just there and just lets you just to soak up things is just the genius of the film. I mean, it is wild to think that we are sitting here praising this movie, the the, <laughs> the, the, the degree that we are. And I've I've really kind of sat there. I, I like to scan through every streamer every night just to kind of figure out what I want to. And I usually go to Peacock just because, as I said in that episode, I actually really like Peacock a lot. But I always, laugh. I, I always laugh when I scan by Halloween Ends because I'm just like, oh, there's that movie. And, uh, and I like it. <laughs> and I would watch it right now. You know, can't say the same, can't say the same thing for you know, the four or five other Halloween movies that, that, that precede it. And it's just still astounding to me that I'm, I'm sitting here saying that. Like, I, it's just wild. It's 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 one of my favorite 180s that we've ever had on any yeah, on either oh, yeah. podcast. To be honest with you, Mike, I um, want to build on that because I think it's a testament to us. Let's talk about how great we are for a minute. Oh, We're yeah. the third best horror movie this year, Halloween's. And I, well, I want to compare it to uh, 2016's Ghostbusters. Answer to call. Oh, no, no, I gave please a, don't. No, please listen God to me. Don't. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. I, I, I kind of like that movie. Listen. Well, I gave that movie right. essentially I'm probably a C at Daily Grindhouse. <laughs> 
And but remember, if you recall, the uh, discourse the surrounding most fabulous it, reindeer of all, that everybody was praising that movie without seeing it, and then it yes. came out, and it. At best, it's a C. At worst, it's an F. And yeah. nobody who praised it coming out could just, for once in their fucking lives, admit that they were wrong and say, yeah, you know what? I was wrong on that one. And I think we did that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, and I think everybody needs to hear this to all the haters out there, that it shows that we're better critics than most. Yeah, I... It's funny because I, I we're better critics than yeah. most. Oh, Mike Lord. Mike Vanderbilt Halloweenies podcast on the Halloweenies podcast. I the thing is is that I I just don't think we're critics though. I really don't because I I I, I reject the term just because I, I first off I hated we did it for so long and I hated Fair. it and I and I hated the scene <laughs> and I think with us is that the the problem I have with so many critics sometimes is that there is that context is irrelevant a lot of times. It's it's so much of it is just ooh in the moment and then when it's in the movie and you know, what can I say about the ideology and stuff like that? And I think the thing I love about podcasts, not even just ours, but just podcasts in general, is that it's less about being critical and more just about like just discussing it. You know, like discussing it, just fucking chatting about it. And whether or not we liked it or not almost seems irrelevant sometimes. Like, that's why, like, I, I don't even really get hung up about, you know, the the scores anymore about things because I'm just like, well, if it's worth discussing and it's, like, something that I can take with me, that's all that matters. Like, it's it's that's that's kind of what I look back at this year in general. It's just that, like, you know, did I love and hate a lot of movies? Sure. But the ones that I think about, whether or not I loved or hate it or not, are the ones that I think are going to be the most interesting to do. Like we talk about, you know, franchise that we want to do on this podcast sometimes. And like, you know, we've thrown out a couple of them and, you know, we, we certainly cringe because a lot of these movies are just fucking awful, but we also always say at the end of it, like, man, but it would be, make a great episode. And why? Well, because it would be a fucking good conversation. And like, that's the thing I love about this show is that, you know, we do that. And then also we say if we hated something too <laughs> at the end of the day. But I, I just, you know, but for me, it's, 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 I, I, I always look at like us as critics as like maybe the third or fourth thing. Like, I think if mm-hmm. anything, like we're, it's more of just like, I don't know, us just kind of. I prefer the term historian. Yes. I like that. I do. Which I think is what our show does, obviously, I, yeah, with older I, I, stuff. I, yeah. I have a yeah. Especially anyway. the main feed, the normal episodes. I do look at much more of it from a historical perspective that ends yeah. with, and what do you think about the movie, you know? Yeah. So. Halloween ends will end up on my sight and sound poll when I finally muscle my way in there. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm Tokyo putting it out there story now. number two, number four. No. Uh, uh, mine would have, look, mine would have Billy Madison on it, which means I'm never getting asked to join mm. sight and sound. <laughs> now, we have to stand by that. If we ever do get asked to do sight and sound, you have to put Billy Madison and I have to put Halloween ends. I will. I right, that, like fair. that's on me being funny. I will totally do that. So yeah, I okay. think the movie's a masterpiece. You ruin the integrity of this podcast. <laughs> no, we, but we're the best critics. I just said so. Um, All right, what's we're, we're, we're moving at? on. Yeah. We're moving on because we gotta get to our number three entry uh, here that I don't think we've talked about at all on this podcast, and maybe because it has nothing to do with the franchise at all. It's totally God. original, completely original. The writer director is extremely unexpected. It's a movie that landed at number four on my brother's list and my list. Landed at number three for Mike Rothman. Landed at number eight for Mike Vanderbilt. Landed at number one for Dan Affrey. We've always called him this behind his back, but what's the name of the movie, Dan? (laughs) That is Cathman the Barbarian. Uh, No, no, uh, just Barbarian, actually. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's funny because I saw this and I've been really good about these this year about not learning mm. anything about a movie when I hear it's hyped mm. up a lot. I knew nothing. I knew it was at an Airbnb, and I I think I just knew that from like a poster or something, and that was it. And man, did it live up to the hype for me? And I will say, I don't think, and I actually don't want to spoil too much of it uh, for anyone who's listening. I think the the very end, like the very end of the final act, maybe goes a little far. Agreed. With like a certain action sequence. But I also didn't care because the movie genuinely surprised me. I knew nothing about it and it actually surprised me. And I thought it was just like a masterclass in how to have a turn when you need to have a turn. And I don't mean just like a heel turn or or although it kind of does have that, but just like jumping genres but then having it all coalesce in the end, like, you know, in Psycho, where Marion Crane gets killed, the movie kind of becomes different after that. And we yep. never revisit Mary Marion Crane, obviously, because she's dead. This movie almost makes you think it's going to do that. But then it actually does bring everything together in a way that just felt so satisfying to me. Yeah. And yeah, once again, I'm trying to not to say too much. I, and we, yeah, get, we don't want to spoil too much because this is a movie yeah. that you really, it really, it's, and this, it's and this just could, best honestly, of you. I'll say this though. I mean, it's right now it's in my top four, but. I wonder if this is going to be a sixth sense situation where yeah, I know I've thought once if you know it, yeah. Once you know everything that's going to happen is is the fun and the discovery, not necessarily mm. the movie itself. Uh, yeah, Rothman, I heard you kind of echoing that. What do you think about that? Poss- well, that the fear that's, of that. That's my big fear about it. I mean, I rewatch everything. I, yeah. I I love background watches. I'm the type of kid. I'm a latchy kid, so I have to have the TV on all the time. So, you know, I I just love having movies on again and again. This is one that I have seen it on HBO Max. And I just get kind of worried to watch it. It's like when you, mm. it's like the Schrodinger's cat thing for me. It's like right now it's at a great film that I have some sort of quibbles in it. But like, you know, if I go back to it, where is it going to lie? I, and Sixth Sense is a good example of that. Although I don't know if it's so much about the the, the twist that, that, that jar me other than the fact that like, I don't want to nitpick it too much because yeah. I feel like if I do a second round, I, I do worry about that being the case. I'll just say this right now though. And you know, out of any genre, more than any genre, to be honest with you, you really need to have that sort of like like theme park quality to it with when it comes to horror sometimes. Like sometimes that's the best fucking part is just like the fucking experience. And I will say Barbarian was the most fun I've had in theaters in a, such a long time. Like I was just loving it, like living it up, like going like, all right, I'm in. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not even... I, you know, I, I ran out of a drink. That's a big no-no for me. Mm-hmm. I needed fucking liquid most of the time. I didn't even care. I just was so glued to the screen, watching everything that was going down. And um, it was a blast. Like, give me, you mentioned it's not tied to a franchise. Great. You also, you know, not having an original story that keeps you that glued in, like, man, it took me back to the age of like the 90s when we used to get like four of these a month. Like, I, I, I loved it. I, I, I loved this movie. So, yeah. So yeah. great needle drops too. I'll say yeah. that doesn't spoil oh, too much. Good yeah. tunes. Yeah. Now, speaking of the Tune Master himself, Farabelt, this made your top ten as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, it, I don't think we've really talked about that much. No, it, it, I don't think I'm as high at as you guys. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm more online than everybody here, but I definitely saw the hype. But I'm very good about ignoring it, and especially when people use the word bonkers, which I think we need to retire because I feel like none of these people have seen a movie that's honest to god fucking bonkers. Yeah, is bonkers like the? Uh, it's sort of the equivalent to acid uh, LSD trip, but like, <laughs> acid like trip. the, P, the PG yeah. version of an acid trip of a movie. I've but, never been on acid, so I, I don't use that term ever. <laughs> peace and love. Peace and this, love. Peace and love. In the end, what when I you know after I had just finished watching, and again, does the thing that I love in a horror movie: puts a button 
on it with a great uh, pop rock song. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what did I think of this? What I like about it is that it does feel like a set, those 70s exploitation pictures that I love. That does get a little weird, does get a little wild. Everything maybe doesn't necessarily add up, like if you're trying to discuss logic, but to echo Rothman's statement, the ride is what counts, but also why maybe it won't hold up to rewatch it. I think some of the most interesting stuff is in the first half where mm-hmm. you're kind of wondering what's going to happen there. And you're already in your head, kind of got it figured out. And really you're going to find out you're wrong. I think the highest praise I can give this movie without giving too much away is it was, it's a rare movie that I'll see in movie theaters these days. I remember looking over at, I think I saw with my brother and his, and his girlfriend, I believe. And there were countless times where there'd be a break in the action. And I, we would kind of look at each other. Like, can you believe this? And it, were you sitting great. in between them when you're at the movie? Were you sitting no, between, I, between I, I, your I brother and your girlfriend? <laughs> That'd be really great. Like, I'm sitting by Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I will say like, just, and just to have that during a movie at all, you know, we've all seen so many movies at this point that even the great movies were not necessarily surprised by not to pass, not to pat ourselves in the back, but this movie surprised me over and over again. It didn't peak with the surprise in the first X amount of time, but it, it was, you know, it, it was it, a what, pleasurable experience. I'll say that. What got me to watch it was uh, my old guitar player from the Romero's, uh, Bob Sylvester. I'll give him a shout out. Big time horror nut. Always was like, he, hey, we don't talk as much as we used to, but he made it a point to text me. So you really got to check out this Barbarian movie. Yeah. It was really fucking good. Good enough to be number three. Our top ten list. So let's go on to number two. This is another movie that we spent quite a lot of time discussing this year. It made all of our top sixes. It made it was my brother's favorite horror movie of the year. I was surprised, yeah. My second favorite horror movie of the year. Vanderbilt and Caffrey's sixth favorite horror movie of the year. And Rothman's second favorite horror movie of the year. 2022's What do we call this again? I've already forgotten the bit. Five, Five Cream. Scream. Scream. <laughs> Get on top. Get on top. I've said quite a lot. Who was not on this episode? Were we all on this episode? We were all on, we were all yeah. on it. Okay. Yeah. Damn it. Well, look, I've said quite a lot about it already. <laughs> I, uh, I applaud the, the courage to truly focus on a new group of t- kids this time around. I know they did it with the fourth one, kind of. Uh, I think that the, the cast of this fifth one was, in a lot of ways, make it or break it. I feel like if that new cast didn't work, we would not be having a Scream 6, let alone... A Scream 6 that will be due out less than three months from now, it, which is insane to think about. This, feel, this really feels like the 80s again, where they're rolling out these movies every year. Yeah, love it. Hopefully it works out. Let's keep it going. I, uh, this takes some pretty wild turns, to say the very least. Is it supernatural? Is it all in somebody's head? I think it's supernatural. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this franchise in New York. I think that they handled the old characters pretty well, but... Again, it was a great example of when the that original trio was not on the screen, I wasn't waiting for them to come back. Yeah. And I yeah, think that's high praise for a franchise that's been around for over 25 I, years now. So that's my high praise for Scream. I haven't even rewatched it. No. I'm going to rewatch it right before uh, season I season six. I think yeah. we put yeah, it on. Like, it's I think great. We, yeah, I think we put it on at the bar once. And I, I was half-assed paying attention, but definitely... Oh, I think Ashley was watching because I had to make it a point to watch the end when my favorite part... I mean, look, if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen it yet, when uh, Force Ghost Billy Loomis just gives her the nod, like, yes. murder, yeah. murder, yeah. murder that man. 
what, a ple- what a pleasant surprise! It was. Yeah, this it movie was. was. Right? I don't think we all, we we weren't as negative about it as like Halloween ends coming no, up. No, no, no. But no. truly, just a pleasant time in the movies, and once again, ends with a button with a great rock song that tuned by. Salem I was going to say, I love that fucking song. I love oh, that great. song. And, Rothman, and it's you, guys, you had this at number two as well, Rothman. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I said it on the episode, I think, but um, for me, it was not a fun time at movies. I saw it in the <laughs> hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did you talk about Just, the theater on that yeah. episode? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And what was so, the joke you saw that the, uh, the, the abandoned theater from Dead Silence? Yeah, it was something like that. Like, it, it was <laughs> just a island? shit show. And it turned out to, that it didn't even matter once, once the movie started because I was just so enthralled by it. Original characters are great. I think the big smoking gun is the fact that they managed to nab the first real genuine celebrity we've had in a few years, uh, maybe since Zendaya, which is Jenna Ortega. Like, yes, I, I, I argued it, I think, on the Losers Club episode, maybe, but I was saying I would argue now that Jenna Ortega going into Scream 6 is bigger than where, what Ned, bigger than Nev Campbell was back in uh, I would agree. I'm not saying that this is going to necessarily be a, a, a better movie, but Jenna Ortega right now is more famous worldwide than nev campbell has ever been I, and she's I do phenomenal think they got lucky with that yeah. she's great she's phenomenal like I, she's phenomenal in this which is the you know the the clever s- switch of actually making her survive the opening was fucking great i can't even yep. imagine the the shoot yourself in the foot if they actually would have killed her in the opening because she's just so huge now but then to do the x to do x and then also wednesday which is really fucking great also like i I'm really excited to see her more. I, I'm really hoping to God that she doesn't get iced in this next one. But she, then you well, also, no way, no way. But, she then, dies. but then you have Melissa Brera, who's fucking great too. I, I don't know. I just I was really surprised that the original characters uh, won me over, which made me think like, like when was the last time we got that in horror movies? Like, I, I mean, I, have we ever really gotten that? I mean, I guess Nightmare on Elm Street. I guess uh, we, I think, uh, we, I think we the, got original, it in, the, the original um, the Scream trilogy. You cared so much about that cast. Yeah. You know? I think no, no, in, but um, I'm talking about like no, no, in this in like a reboot within a franchise. Oh, yeah, I hear you on that. Regard. Well, you no, know? I think I there's I think Jurassic World Dominion. Like I really <laughs> oh, cared about yeah. those old characters coming get back. I just out. couldn't right. wait to get them back. You know, you reminded me, Caffrey. I was at CVS yesterday, and I was thinking, like, God, I got to go pick up some things. I got I got my uh, my Robitussin. I got to get. I got to get some milk. Oh, wait a second. There's a Claire. A figure with a Dilophosaurus here. I should probably oh, tell God. Caffrey if I should pick it up for him or not. There's a Jurassic World Legacy Collection. Do you want me to get it for you? I, I'm going to get stopped by CVS later on tonight. I would not be rude and be like, why the fuck did you get me this? But um, uh, you, no, you don't need you to. You know, it's funny. This. I'm looking at my desk <laughs> okay. right now and look at what's collecting dust. Oh, right my now. God. I, I got you that almost five years ago. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> is, this, is this a Patreon episode or is this going to the main feed? Oh, main this feed. Main feed. Main oh, feed. Okay, I can't make my joke. All right. Okay. Oh, well, I can't oh, imagine Jesus. what it would, what it would be. Yeah, it wasn't you, nasty, um, but what I don't smut were you going to bring no, to? No, uh, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, no. In all seriousness, dinosaur tours are really cool. I would not be offended if anyone got me one. But I'm look. I was out on that movie. It's hey, that movie's yeah, lucky. Look, it's not a true Catherine, horror. In movie. all seriousness, anything else for God's sake? He has so much to say about Jurassic World. We had two episodes dedicated to Scream, so I think we're pretty good this year. I love Scream 5. Having great. said that, yeah. Dominion, I'm surprised it wasn't in your uh, oh, top Jesus 10. Christ. You know, oh, technically God. a horror movie. Why are, you guys, why are you guys still watching Caffrey? those movies? 
Caffrey I texted text Justin this. What did you, you text me, Caffrey? He said, <laughs> I said, I said, does Jurassic World Dominion count? As oh a, when my you, God. What, but I, I think it's that's more a fair sci-fi. question. That's a fair question, a fair though, question. because Fangoria always covered the Jurassic Park movies. It's true. Yeah. 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 I'll never forget I that 2003 that. Jurassic Park 3 in the cover of Fangoria. I'll never forget it. I, I think we had this discussion on another uh, um, podcast episode. I do think Jurassic World Dominion is worse than the Munsters, if only because they it was so easy to get it right. It was so easy. They didn't even get it media. Why the fuck am I talking about this movie? We got wait, we wait, like, I, I, when, when Jurassic fault. Park three was on the cover of Fangoria. Did they have um, Alexander Payne write the article uh, about it? And uh, and maybe <laughs> was it like before maybe about get Joe Johnston? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Joe Johnston. Why dinosaurs are important to me? You know. All right. Um, you know what? I have to tell my joke. You're talking about presents. I don't care. Fuck it. My biggest fear every holiday season, and I guess I should warn everybody, is that somebody is going to try and be very nice to me. And get me a subscription to Fangoria. And I'm not going to have the heart to tell them that I'm never going to read that magazine. Yeah. Well, I, okay. We wish them all the best. Um, you know. Yeah. If you remember this, it's it, Fangoria, fun fact, makes an appearance in Friday 13th Part 3. <laughs> but two different issues because uh, the cover is different That's than the, uh, the article that she's reading. That's yeah. right. We, the Godzilla article, I believe. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. Somehow, some way, let's talk about our favorite collective movie, horror-wise at the very least, of 2022. This is my favorite. This is Mike Vanderbilt's favorite. This is Mike Rothman's favorite. This is Matt Gerber's third favorite. Dan Caffrey's third favorite. This is pretty much number one with a bullet overall. And Mm -hmm. that movie is Mike Vanderbilt? Elvis. Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann, the yeah. director, of course, of Moulin Rouge, and starring what's his name again? Win Austin Butler. Butler. Win Butler. I mean, Win Butler. Argue, I think you could argue that problematic Butler. Then it's a horror movie. No, yeah, it is a horror um, movie. Yeah, I, you could argue Elvis's life was pretty horrific. I, I know what I, I real quick, and I'm, I'm just going on because I think it's a funny bit to drag this out before we actually say what the movie is. Although I'm sure people know what the movie is. Russell I Dominion. don't. I think yeah. this is true. I heard that <laughs> oh, man, no Elvis's great. autopsy. Talking about some body horror here. Mm. He was backed up, obviously. That is true. He died yeah. on the toilet. Yeah. I heard that... I thought maybe it was in traffic. Yeah, yeah, he died a really respectable death in traffic. I heard that, like... Zion, his shit was backed up, but it was, like, white and powdery because he had consumed so many pills. That's probably not true. I don't think oh, that's Oh, I've read but... so many stories about, <laughs> yeah. like, Elvis. Like, well, that's the thing about it. And it's, what, <laughs> what's great about that movie is that it focuses on the legend because every Elvis story that you've heard, there's five, six, seven, ten mm-hmm. different versions from people that were there, from people who weren't there. So that's what I liked about that movie is that it focused on the legend rather than the truth. Well, I only caught like about the last 50 minutes because I went to go see a screening of Thief, but I did have the Elvis Ooh. Last Supper burger we ordered that night, which yeah. was oh, phenomenal. Good. They added plantains on it, which uh, mm. was really, it, you know, let's just say I had a jailhouse rock in, in the living room, if you know what I mean. Wait, wait, so wait, you were taking a shit in the living room? Plantains. Yeah, no, I wasn't doing that, but I was dancing around, like being like a love in this burger. Oh, I call the jailhouse but, rock we take a shit in the living room, so I got to oh, make okay. sure that we we're on the same page here. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> yeah. Number one movie, Earl. Yeah. Pro- hey, I didn't lie earlier when I said Ty West is going to come up again. I don't know where to begin on this. But Vanderbilt, yeah, please. You, you lead this well, off. It's, I think uh, it just uh, outside of my horror list, just to my top ten for the year, it's, it's neck and neck between this and Elvis. Because 
again, this goes back to my. <laughs> it just goes back to my original. No, just they're, they're in conversation I just really like with each other. Elvis. So did Sammy. You and Sammy need to talk to her. She oh, yeah. loved Elvis. Well, to win Best Picture this year at the Oscars, so you two can have your celebration. Well, no, my no, man, it's going to be. It's, and fucking Maverick's going to nope, win Best Picture. It's gonna no, be, I think I, it's going to be Elvis. It's going to be Everywhere All at Once, which is no, a movie not. I did not It'll enjoy. And then, but and then Elvis my, is my brains cinema. will be everywhere all at once. Let's talk about Pearl because Pearl's Rock. Pearl goes back to my original point, or not my original point, but something I talked about that keeps coming up in the list is, and this is a new franchise, like brand new. Like we're what, two years into this franchise, right? Two years in, two movies. And no, this not even two years in, less like, than a year in, less than a year. And Ty West is already taking chances. I do think you can uh, draw parallels between this and Halloween ends in the sense that, like Justin said earlier, Pearl is the movie he wanted to make, but he needed X to get there. But I think, much kind of like what I said about maybe even Halloween Ends with Halloween Kills, as much as I liked X, Pearl makes X a better movie. It does. And it was just so much. I I just like that it it took that chance of going back in time. Another point that I like is that when you first meet the character of the theater manager, like they almost set it up that he's going to have this heel turn, and he never really has it. Because Mm -hmm. it's really, it's all... Pearl is the villain and you kind of find out why she gets there and like all the sexual repression stuff I think is I can't think of a better term but it's brave like it's cool like it's I I like that Ty West had the uh, the cojones to to go somewhere with Mm -hmm. a movie like this you know it's it's a nasty movie that doesn't feel like it's playing on the nostalgia of earlier nasty movies no it's nasty in its own unique way and I was pretty much riveted I was just hoping that would be as good as X, just give me a pretty good movie. I'll always go support Ty West in theaters when I can. I, re- I really think I've seen just about every one of his theatrical movies. I think I have. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I know people always bemoan, well, why don't horror actors and actresses get best actor and best actress? Well, I will finally add myself to the list of cor- the, the chorus on this because I, I think Mia Goth gives like maybe the best performance I've seen this year. That yeah. monologue at the end. It's crazy. That cinched it. That cinched it. But even without the monologue, Caffrey, it's still yeah. like this incredible performance. Because you're with her the entire movie. You're not mm-hmm. focusing on anybody else but her. You're always with her. And as much as she kind of – she is the villain. But it's – again, it goes back to that other thing I said about creating complicated, interesting, even like – for lack of a term, like evil or like bad characters that you find yourself empathizing with. Mm. Yeah. And we always bemoan that when we say like, we don't want to have too many prequels about these pre-existing slasher movies that we love because we just want to hate something. This somehow circumvents that and subverts that. And you, and you still think it's a great movie. Just setting know? it in the thirties is, or is it the thirties or the forties? No, it's like 1918. It's it, like it, World oh, yeah, War I Spanish. Yeah. yeah. Because it's the Spanish flu's going on, which, you know, in the hands of a less talented director would have felt very heavy handed, but yes. I think it was just kind of his sly way of saying this has happened before guys, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the reason he did Pearl came out of the pandemic too. I mean, yeah. he wouldn't have filmed it if, it, and, and also I know, I, I think I texted with all you guys about this. I, I don't know if this counts actor salaries or not. Probably does because I think everyone just probably worked for scale on a movie like that. Budget was only a million dollars. Man, that movie looks good. Now it granted it's good. a small cast, but there's all these surreal dance sequences. You, I mean, he found a good location, right? That's that's part of it. But even the downtown stuff where I'm assuming was on a soundstage, it looked great. Like you just saw Ty West wringing every dollar out of it. And then also having an actual vision. And to your point about the origin story, it's kind of funny because 
One of my criticisms uh, about Rob Zombie's first Halloween, which I think there's some good stuff in it, but it's not my favorite, is that, okay, we're going to show Michael Myers' origin story, but he's already fucked up when we begin the movie. We open on him killing a rat, right? So it's like kind of not interesting. This actually does do that very thing. Like Pearl, I would argue, is a messed up character. I think she 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 was born with something going on with her, right? But it gets activated by all these other things that she has to go through. And I think the movie just does such a good job having its cake and eating it too. And Mia Goth co-wrote it, right? So I think that yeah. might that probably has something to do with it. And uh not just the yeah, the, the whole thing in the monologue, but even that final credits moment. Like <laughs> oh God. I mean and, I, and also too, no one else. He Ty West left plenty more story to tell because yeah. you don't really get directly from Pearl to X in terms of her relationship right. with her husband and like right. i was actually wondering like wait how is this eventually transition to x i don't know if he's going to show that or not because i think maxine might be later than x but if he does another movie to go back to those middle well, years maxine, I'd be, maxine takes place in 85 80s. i think yeah. i would love to see them go back between 1918 and whenever x starts 78 or, or whatever it is see some more of that and i love that we have this alligator that's like oh, yeah. a presence throughout the whole thing and it's just inventive all the way through yeah and i think great. that's yeah. why i mean martin scorsese was a big fan of it you know director of the irishman and i think that's why it appeals to a film that's that's like there's this idea about Scorsese that he doesn't like trash. He likes trash. He just likes trash when it's inventive and when yep. it's different and when it's weird and when it's cinematic. And this is a very cinematic movie. I know everybody compares it to, you know, Technicolor films of the 30s and 40s, but actually has a lot more in common of like with 70s exploitation films. It does. Because yeah. 70, yeah. with a trick that 70, I realized that 70s exploitation films, and one that I keep thinking of is The Child from 1977, which is pretty good, is that it's the same thing we have to do now, and I don't know if this is Ty West making a commentary, where we have to set stuff in the 70s to eliminate technology. Yeah. I think in the 70s, they would set stuff in the 40s, 50s, 60s, to eliminate technology. Well, you know, even though the technology wasn't even as advanced as what we have now. What it reminded me of is what Bogdanovich was doing with like Paper Moon, you know, back in the 70s of just like that that whole idea of yeah, we're setting it there, but it's not going to like really, you know, it's not going to dictate you know, just the, the the aesthetic is 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 interesting. And we're going to nail it, but that's it's not, still timeless. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what you I can't kind of really exactly about what it. the year is unless they say what the year is. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. you know it's from the well, oldie days. Yeah, like I will just and, and Pearl would work if it was set in the seventies, eighties, or nineties. Yeah, but it's pro- it might not be as interesting as a movie because it doesn't feel as original. I think it really works in the setting that it's at is because you really do need to have this sort of like remote isolated feel that, that idea that like, not only are you alone on this farm, but like for the most part with where everything is at in the country right now, you're pretty much on your own regardless of what's going to happen. So like that sort of, uh, you know, world removed from its own world sort of vibe that you get from the movie that it really pays in and fuels the sort of isolation and dread that you get, especially in the latter half of the movie when you're like, Oh yeah, she's got her dying mother down there and it's fucking half burned. Just but crazy. like that, but then there's no one really else. And like the, 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 and then when you think about that, that concept and tie it to when folks are there with her, 
it adds even more to the horror because it's like, oh, they can be brutally murdered and scream all their heads off and no one's going to – no one will know. No and one will know. The, and it, there's, they're so far from everything. So that part add, like you know added a little bit to it as well. But it's the chicken and the egg situation with these two movies that just really is just confounding to me where you're just like – because I, I will argue that this is – I feel like this is the film that he really wanted to make because this does feel like the next project, the next singular project that really kind of stands out. But then when you think about it as the two-hander, it's just they really do inform each other in so many ways because I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, watch Pearl before X. I was like, no, watch X, then watch Pearl, and then watch X again because it, it's it really yeah. does feel like this sort of, again, like I said, the chicken and the egg thing. But I will say for my money this year, I love you, Cruz, but that run <laughs> from the monologue to chasing her down to mm. the – it's just – it's phenomenal. Oh, it's fucking awesome. – just amazing filming the credits and, and acting. Uh, yeah. Too. yeah. And on that tip, Mike, I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, we're talking a lot of like film scholars, like historians, the historians we are, and using a lot of big film, uh, you know, film <laughs> school like knowledge. This but no, we're going to get like three one-star reviews but, this week. Just but, be like, you motherfucker. No so way. Why the movie truly excels, I mean, not the why, but it also just works as a really good horror picture. It goes back to what I said about Ty West finally making movies that are accessible. Like, the violence... And the kills are great and memorable. And it, he delivers mm-hmm. on that as well as all this cool, interesting, you know, backstory and thematic stuff as well. And I don't think a lot of modern horror films, you know, horror films, I mean, any horror film, any movie just doesn't always nail that. And I think Pearl does. Yeah. Would you guys say that that and once again, I won't spoil what happens, but that last sequence we're talking about, mm. Mike just mentioned for monologue to to chase to and would you say that maybe outside of it follows is the best peripheral slow moving kind of scare <laughs> i talked to may- losers club randall colburn about this a little bit too um it, it, the great thing it seemed that scene in the theater dan is that you feel the entire yeah. audience mm-hmm. start to tense up because you i know wish it's i had seen the theater yeah. oh god yeah it was so i good saw it i saw it at home i wish i had I watched it at home in the too. theater yeah but it but, was so but you know what this is a good, another <sighs> good example you two saw it at home, and it still worked really well. My I was absolutely, the I was absolutely, and it still worked really well. All I'm saying is, just because you see a movie at home, doesn't mean it. it just because you see a movie in theaters does not necessarily mean it's gonna be a better yeah. experience than seeing it at home. Make a good movie, directors, and then we'll see wherever we want to see it. So, one <laughs> yeah, last thing I want to mention: you, directors, <laughs> fuck off, stop complaining. Fuck you, Baltimore. If you watch X and Pearl back to back. They use so many of the same locations, specifically that land that the farm and the farmhouse is on. I don't think he uses the same shots twice, though. I don't think so either. So it's kind of disorienting that way. You forget that it's the same farm. You forget that it's the same house because it's shot totally differently. And that's just something I appreciated on a technical level. Ty West, I see you. I see what you're doing. I appreciate it. What can I say? Too bad he had such a basic fucking uh, sight and sound. Yeah, he thought 2001 was a great movie. I love that list. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. It's It's an earnest, real, genuine list with diamonds on it. Jaws. Who likes Jaws? Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, Chinatown. What a fucking garbage movie. (laughs) Before before we sign off, let's recap the top 10. Of course, again, honorable mention 2021, Cry Macho, directed by Clint Eastwood. Number 10, The Menu. Number 9, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Number 8, Deadstream. Number 7, Watcher by Dr. Dre. Number six, X. Tied for fourth, Prey. Tied for fourth, Halloween Ends. God almighty, who knew? Number three, Barbarian. Number two, Five Cream, a.k.a. Scream. Number one, Pearl. We did it. 
This is the season finale for our fifth season. So yeah. any, any final words before we start next year? We get, we're going to go into the, the, the wonderful land of the good guy dolls, namely <laughs> Chucky and the Child's Play series, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Caffrey, anything you'd like to say to the, the listeners out there? Hey, I know it's uh, it feels rote to say at this point, but yeah, just thanks as always uh, for real. Like that's not that's not inauthentic or me just saying because I have to say it. You texted uh, it, it, me and said, "Watch this, Justin." <laughs> Watch me. It, what was he saying? Uh, was Gabo say like this? I'll hold a little sobs uh, <laughs> or uh, or in Batman Returns, like a Harlem from hell. Season. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Like no, but I, I, I free. I, you know, you you just forget. Uh, it, it's been amazing to see the show grow every year for real. Like for, like, and uh, you. You kind of for it's easy. It's easy to for, I want to say forget about the audience because I don't forget about the audience. But this is just us hanging out, talking to each other, right? So it's it just kind of blows my mind when you go online or Discord or wherever else and just see the and all the folks that listen. Just thanks for making it happen. We, we could not do it without you. And uh, uh, with Chucky, I just want to say it's gonna be a long time till we get there. I'm so excited to talk about the Colonel, and it'll be so long oh, yes. before we get there. But I <laughs> so good. One of my favorite bits in any show horror or otherwise so uh yeah and, and it goes beyond just a bit which i appreciate it God, even more anyway it just keep an eye, anyway. Keep the ear for the colonel next halloween uh vanderbilt any any final words for the season before we sign off just gonna keep uh, rocking and rolling and making better podcasts thank you <laughs> coming up next no, that was well, like uh that was, was like good. in boogie nights where uh where dirk diggler gets the award and he's he's like i'm gonna keep rocking and rolling if you keep rocking and rolling and he does like the karate <laughs> that's exactly what i did that's exactly what it was that's that's the, that's the the <laughs> vanderbilt's the porno the the porno expert uh he had to do it adult cinema enthusiast please <laughs> yeah exactly he's recreating his trauma character one more time <laughs> for the for the potty uh mike roth any any final words it's been a fun season. I mean, I, I, I will say this has been a very, very, I mean, I don't know. It's been a, it's not even a long season, but I just feel like we did so much this year. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the, the rentals were ambitious. I mean, we were scaling up the walls to like almost close to four hours, you know, especially this month's. You know, oh, yeah, and then, that's aired already, right? Yeah, so oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty wild. <laughs> and then, you know, not to mention like the fact that we covered three different franchises this year. I don't think we've ever really done that, you know, because we had to cover Scream, you know, finishing wrapping up Scream, and then we covered Evil Dead, and then we also covered, you know, Halloween, and then in there we also covered like Sam Raimi singles, you know, one offs. It's yeah. just been a wild. And more year. importantly, Evil Dead Rise did not come out this year, and it didn't come out. I mean, it, it's it's been one of the most, you know, oh, it's man. been one of the most unpredictable years, but it's been fun because of that. We've been able to shoot our hip. We've done our first live show. I mean, I'm I'm pretty proud of this year. I'm really excited to see what we do next, especially now that we're actually going to be able to flex some different genres with Fortune and Glory and. You know, I'll just say it, the Lethal Weapon episode was a good prelude to that. So I, I, I'm, I'm really jazzed at where we're at. And like I said, you know, I think on, I can't remember somewhere on one of the other episodes, but like we've definitely committed at least ten thousand hours to this. And I do feel like I don't. That means we're really, experts. We, I mean, I, I mean, it's not. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd use the word, but like I certainly feel pretty confident behind the mic. And I just love being there. I love doing this. Like this is, it's fucking honor that we're able to do this together. And it, and I, you know, it takes a lot of work to keep this going. And it's like, when you think about the endurance of it all, it's like, all right, so we've done five years, almost coming into our sixth year, we've done six years with, with the losers club coming up. Those are weekly episodes. These are monthly episodes. We have three or four months, three, 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 
or four episodes per month. It's a lot of work that goes into it, and we still make sure that we're doing it. And I don't know, I'm pretty fucking proud of what we've been able to do. I mean, I, I should, be. I, you know, and it's pretty awesome. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. And I'm, and I think that having the community that we've had, um, the fact that we were all, you know, I get to see it unfold, whether it's on socials or on Discord, like it, it's, it's. Just, I don't know. It's, it's heartwarming. And you know, like with Catherine, all you've been saying, it's like, you know, can't they get enough? And we'll never, for someone who had to play shows in, in, in fucking rooms that had no one there in the middle of nowhere, I will, <laughs> I will never take for granted the fact that we even had one listener here on this podcast. So that's all I can say. Yeah. I'll just go back to the very beginning when we started this, did losers club, you know, six years ago at this point, almost Jesus Christ, I guess five years ago. And I remember um, we were done with the first episode that we recorded it, on that Yeti mic in, in Max studio apartment. And I just said, you think 50 people will hear this? Yeah. And to see where both podcasts have gone the last, I guess, six years overall is pretty incredible. And again, that go everything everybody said. It's just, it's still moving to me when every once in a while we'll get these messages from people giving individual experiences they've gone through this year and how the pods have helped them out. You know, we're here just goofing around, but the great thing about us goofing around is that people seem to actually think we're funny and, and entertaining Sometimes, you know, you think you're just talking to a white wall. <laughs> like, yeah. well, I hope somebody thinks this is funny, but besides ourselves, and uh, it, I think it has paid off. And like you said, Rob, when you've shown the stats on, we, like the Spotify stats have been pretty incredible to look at every single year and, and to see the numbers growing and growing. And, and we're so excited to do it. Like we say, you know, next year we're, we're excited about Child's Play and adding another, a good wrinkle with our, our coverage on the Indiana Jones series, Fortune and Glory, which you can find on our Patreon feed. So don't forget patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod to check that out. And we're blessed with another screen movie and another evil dead movie. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> hopefully I know Evil Dead rise comes and out. Maybe, Jesus uh, maybe another Chucky season. I mean, I, I would be surprised if we didn't get one. But, I think uh, we're going to, I, I hope fingers so. crossed. Yeah. We'll get a third Chucky next season. Halloween. Maybe that'd be cool. So it's gonna be a busy year, but we always enjoy doing these shows and we can't wait to do so. And hopefully we'll do some more live shows next year. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in Chicago, who knows? Maybe uh, overseas. Wow, I really put that out there. Don't get excited. I don't know. Overseas, the overseas wow. Happen. Hold everything. Catholic you just mean like Michigan, right? Like crossing Lake Michigan to come <laughs> to New York or <laughs> we'll me a, flying there. We'll do a live show where they film like Pearl and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, or, <laughs> what, we'll what leave, is that? No, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave Chicago. We'll go to like Vanderbilt's neck of the woods. Yeah, and do a couple live shows. <laughs> what, the Chicago River. What, what is uh? What is Fred Willard saying? Waiting for Guffman. He's he's like, well, we're, we're really bi-coastal if you consider the Mississippi River one of the coasts. It's <laughs> like such a funny line. Like, yeah. oh, we got the Kelsag River down there in yeah. Blue Island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, look, folks. It's been another great season. We'll be back next year, like I said, with with Chucky and everything that comes with him, the little bastard. <laughs> So let's wow, let's sign off one more time by saying that uh, come January 1st, we hope that you will join us. Join us. We're family. This is the end of our show. For now. We hope you enjoyed this production.
If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.